But I want to talk to you about a challenge because every day there are challenges. It's a challenge to get out of bed some morning. You get up, you do your exercises, you go up, down, up, down, up, down. Now the other eye. I know you. It's a challenge to get up. It's a challenge to keep going. I always say keep it going because it's easier to keep it going than it is to get it going. How many know that's right? It's easier to keep it going than it is to get it going. But if you can get it going, it's like a locomotive. Once you've got it going, it's hard to stop it. So God's got us going on planet Earth. So I want to talk to you about this challenge today, but I've called it a powerless challenge because the challenge I'm going to tell you about today was not just any challenge. It was a challenge by a false deity, a false God, to the God Jehovah, encouraged by the people the enemies, the Philistines, the enemies of Israel and the followers of the false god, Dagon. Everybody say Dagon. Dagon. Now the name Dagon means fish god. <laughs> you know, we have sometime through history the... The fish somehow became the symbol of Christianity. You see this little fish on the back of cars. You may have one on your car. And I know where that came from. I know that uh, reportedly it was an acronym in the early first century, maybe into the second century, when people were secretive, uh, having to hide that they were Christians because. Uh, of persecution so they had they would draw part of a fish if they met someone and if the other person would draw the other half then they knew that they were safe and they were in a safe space and it was an acronym for um, serving Christ it is Christ he is Christ our Savior but we also know that uh, Dagon was recognized as the fish God the God of grain and the God of fertility, the God of multiplication. Before we go any further, I need to tell you that it was just a demon. Okay, all right. I, I, I need you to know that, that Dagon was only a demon, a fallen angel, rendered powerless by God. But as we, as we step into this story today, here we go. I want to begin reading in 1 Samuel chapter 5. Now, I'm just going to read the first few verses, but I want you to study this chapter all week. I want you to read the entire chapter. And here's what we find out. We find out that uh, then the Philistines took the ark of God. Now, everybody say the Philistines. Philistines. Philistines were the enemies of Israel. And they took the ark of God. What are they doing with the ark of God? Why do the enemies... The enemies of Israel, how did they get in possession with the Ark of the Covenant of God? I'll tell you in a moment. But then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer 
to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon, fish god, and they set it by the idol Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon, who was supposed to be protecting them, they took Dagon, who was their god, but couldn't even remain standing upright in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. And they set Dagon back in its place again. That's not supposed to be there. There we go. <laughs> and when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon... Fallen on his face to the ground, somebody say again, again, before the ark of the Lord. But this time, the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor any of or any who come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. <laughs> you say, how did it happen? How did the Philistines end up with the Ark of the Covenant? Well, here's the story. If you go back and read chapter 4, go back and research before chapter 5 and find out what is the context of this story. How did it happen? Israel, let me just, let me just start off and say, Israel had fallen into sin. Israel was not right with God. They were still God's chosen, but they were not right with God. And they had gone to battle against Philistines in the first part of chapter 4, 1 Samuel chapter 4, and they were defeated by the Philistines, and 4,000 of their soldiers died in the battle. 4,000. That's a lot of folks. So they went home with their heads down, discouraged, frustrated, beaten, and defeated. And somebody said, how did it happen? Why did this happen? And somebody else said, well, we need the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, the presence of the Almighty. We need to get the Ark of the Covenant with us, and if we take the Ark of the Covenant into battle, then surely God will fight for us and we will win, as had happened many times before. So they sent to Shiloh where the Ark of the Covenant was in its place and they brought it into the camp of the Israelites. When it came into the camp, there was such excitement that the children of Israel began to shout. With such a shout, the Bible says that the earth shook with their shout. So much so that the Philistines heard this shout. And it put fear in their hearts. And they said, oh no, what is going on? What has happened? Why are the children of Israel so excited? We just defeated them and killed 4,000 of their soldiers. Why are they so excited? And somebody said, they brought the ark of God into their camp. And it struck fear in the hearts of the Philistines. And they began to rally together and said, we have to fight. Because if we don't fight, we will end up their slaves. 
we will end up under their care, their slavery. Because when they came out of Egypt, they came into the wilderness and the power of God was with them. The, the sea was split. All their enemies had been defeated. So we have to rally together and we have to fight. So the children of Israel go into battle again. And this time the Ark of the Covenant that was brought from Shiloh goes with them. And when they got into the battle, they still had sin in the camp. The Ark of the Covenant was there, but it was really just an empty box. Because if you read chapter 4, the Bible says the glory had departed. The process was not done correctly. They were not following the leading of God. They were doing their own thing. They were trying to do something that had worked in the past, not following God this time, doing it their own way, thinking that just having the Ark of the Covenant there would bring victory in the battle. They lost 30,000 soldiers. So in two battles, they've lost 34,000. And to make it worse, the Bible says, the Ark of the Covenant was captured. Mm. The Ark of the Covenant was captured, and now the Philistines think they have a trophy. Thank you for being here today. <laughs> they captured the Ark of the Covenant, and they brought it from Ebenezer. Now, the word Ebenezer means stone of help, memorial stone. We have one. That's another story. And so they brought it from the place that was a memorial. But they brought it to Ashdod, which means diffusion and theft. They brought it to a place that's called theft. How would you like to live in a place that's called theft? Where do you live? Oh, I live in theft. Where you have to protect your stuff because there are thieves there and they will steal your stuff. Where do you live? Oh, I live in diffusion because wherever anything comes that should be right, that should be pure, that should be powerful, it's always diffused. It's always sent out in different ways. I read where he said the enemy will come at you one way, but he will be sent out in seven directions. And so they brought this Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, the symbol of God in the Old Testament. Housing the bread and housing the, the, the rod of Aaron and housing the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets that Moses had gotten off the mountain. And they brought it and they set this Ark of the Covenant in the house of Dagon. Next to Dagon, this big, large bulk of a false idol, false deity, statue, made with the hands of men, with the head of a person, but the trunk of a fish, representing their fertility and their grain and their production, they put the Ark of the Covenant there. And I can just hear them gloating now that they have a trophy. Oh, we have 
received a trophy. We have captured the Ark of the Covenant. It belongs to us now. Our God, Dagon, they would say, has defeated the God of Israel. That's what they believe. They believe that Dagon had given them victory over Israel. They believed that the power of Dagon had given them the victory and the power to overcome. What they didn't know was that Israel had sinned. What they didn't understand was that Israel had stepped out of line. And God allows some things to happen when we step out of line. Oh, you didn't hear me. God allows some things to happen when we get away from Him, when when we are not where we ought to be, when we're not walking where we ought to be and doing what we ought to be doing, some things happen. God allows those things to happen sometimes to wake us up, sometimes to get our attention, sometimes so that we will realize we've messed up and we need to get back on track and refocus and rededicate ourselves to Him. Come on. So that's what they thought. They thought that, that their false god, their demon god, had delivered the children of Israel into their hands, 34,000 killed. That's a high price to pay. May I tell you that when you mess up, sometimes there is a high price to pay. You think that your little sin will not hurt anybody, that nobody knows that it's only going to affect you, but there is a high price to pay when you are messing up. 34,000 dead, that's a high price to pay. And so they capture the Ark of the Covenant. It is now a, a uh, trophy for them, and they bring it into the, the uh, house of Dagon, and they set it next to Dagon, the fish god. And they were sending a message to Yahweh. When they put it there, they were sending a message not only to Israel, but to God. They were saying, you ain't nothing. Little did they know who they were dealing with. Little did they know who the God Jehovah, Yahweh, actually is. I said it a moment ago as we were starting, as I was stepping up here. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the great I am. He is the rock of ages. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the door that you have to walk through to wherever you want to go if you want to walk in your destiny. He is everything. He is the giant killer. He is the mountain mover. He is the water walker. He is the miracle worker. Come on. So they place the Ark of the Covenant next to Dagon, sending a message to God saying, you're our trophy now. We got you. So God will always be glorified. So he just decides to send a little message back to the Philistines. So when they get up the next morning, Dagon had fallen. The God was down. <laughs> the fake God, the demon God, the statue made with hands. It had fallen. Dagon had fallen. And as he was down, notice that God had caused him to bow down. In his own house. In his own temple. On his own turf. In his own territory. 
he could not even stand up in the presence of God. Of course, we know he was just an image made with the hands of man. There was no power. The power behind him was a fallen angel, a demon, not a deity, not a god, just a devil, just a demon. And he could not stand. I think it's interesting that the Philistines came back in and set him back up. They helped him back up. The God that was supposed to be saving them. The God they were serving. The God they were worshiping. The God they prayed to couldn't even maintain his own territory in his own house. He falls over and he bows down to worship the God Jehovah. <laughs> and so they help him up. Let us help you up, God, Dagon. Let us help you up. Let us sit you back up because you couldn't get up on your own. You're laying face down. Who are you worshiping, church? What God are you worshiping? What idol has become God in your life? Somebody told me one time, anything you can't give away is an idol. I had this eagle one time. I have a lot of eagles. If you've ever been in my office, I have eagles. And I had been to Israel, and I had gotten what became my favorite eagle by a famous sculptor, Sam Philippi. And if you know anything about Sim Philippi, he has been commissioned to do all kinds of artwork and crafts and uh, sculptures for the rich and famous people of the world. Politicians and governments and kings and pope, all these high-ranking people. And so I went to his place in Jerusalem and I said, I would like to have an eagle. Would you, would you make me an eagle? And he said, absolutely, I will. This was on a Monday. He said, it'll take me a few days. He said, are you going to the Sea of Galilee? I said, yes, I will be there on Friday. He said, I will have it there for you Friday. So on Friday, I went to his shop in Galilee, and I said, do you have my eagle? And he looked at me, and he said, I wasn't able to make it. I didn't have time. And he could see my discouragement, but he had a plan. I said, you said you would have it. He said, I have something better. I said, what do you have? And he reached down and he pulled out this little eagle that stood about 15 inches high. And it was beautiful. It was, it was uh, sitting on a river rock from the Jordan River, a black river stone. And he had sculptured it out of uh, silver and inlaid gold. And it was a beautiful eagle. And he said, this is for you. And I reached for it. He said, wait. I said, What? He said, this is a very special piece. He said, this piece, I was commissioned to provide these for the presidential candidates of the United States. This was around 1996, if I remember. And he said, I made 12 of these. And he began to name the candidates. He said, I made one for Newt Gingrich, Speaker of the House at that time. And he began to tell me all those that he had made it for. And then he turned over the bottom, and it was number, number 13. He said, this is my artist's proof. And I'm giving it to you. And so it became my prized possession. It became my idol. Anything you can't give away is an idol, right? 
And one day it was sitting on my desk as it always did and, a man did and a man came in my office and he said, Pastor, the Lord told me to come into covenant with you. And he began to uh, talk to me and he had brought a couple of gifts. You know, anytime you come into covenant, there's exchange of gifts. And he came into covenant and he brought a couple of gifts to me. And the Lord spoke to me because I had not prepared to come into covenant with him that day. I had no gift prepared. And the Lord spoke to me. I looked at that, that eagle, that idol sitting on the desk and and he said, give him your eagle. And I said, get behind me, Satan. That is my favorite eagle. And the Lord said, give him your eagle. And so reluctantly that day, <laughs> I gave him, and I had paid a pretty penny for that. And it would be worth a lot more today, but I, I gave it to him. Anything you can't give away becomes an idol in your life. So in the morning it had fallen not only the first time, but the second time now, the second day. The first day they helped him back up, but the second day they come in. And not only had he fallen over and bowed down to worship God again in his own house, in his own temple, but his hands were broken off. And his head was broken off. He had been decapitated bowing down to God and he was rendered powerless he already was powerless the Philistines just hadn't understood that they thought he had delivered the Israelites into their hands through Dagon but no he's powerless he's headless he has no hands, which represent we do things with our hands. He was no longer able to do anything symbolically. God was saying, you're powerless. He cut off his head. No wisdom, no authority. The head is the center of our authority. Everything that happens in our life starts in our head, in our brain, in our thought processes. And his head was cut off saying he is not able to do anything. He is only a fallen image, fallen down, bowing down and worshiping the God of Jehovah. The Bible says if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. God is going to be glorified. So God was sending a message. God is going to be praised. He is going to be worshiped. He was sending a message that day, not only to the Philistines, but to the children of Israel. They had not acted correctly, and the ark had been captured. But the story gets better as we go. Thank you for being here today. <laughs> Obviously, there is a glitch in the system today. So what happens after this is God sends destruction and death to the Philistine. All the, all the Philistines, young and old, the Bible says, were smitten. As a matter of fact, they begin to die. People begin to die. The ones that didn't die were smitten with tumors. You're going to love this. They started having tumors in their body and these tumors the bible says were in the hinder parts the private parts if i could translate nice i would say 
They needed preparation H, which they did not have. If I'm not so nice, I would say they were smitten with hemorrhoids. The people of the Philistines were smitten, the ones that didn't die, were smitten with tumors, with hemorrhoids in their body. Severe cases. If I could go one step further and be a little more graphic. <laughs> the commentaries said that they were bleeding. It was not a happy situation. All because they stole the Ark of the Covenant. They thought they captured it. But they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the house of Dagon. Now you will remember another occasion that I preached to you about when the Ark of the Covenant was taken into the house of Obed-Edom. When it went into the house of Obed-Edom, Obed-Edom was blessed. When it went to the house of Obed-Edom, his neighbors were blessed. Obed-Edom was blessed. Everything that happened in his house was blessed. If he had dogs, his dogs were blessed. If he had investments, his investments were blessed. If he was sick, he was healed. Whatever he needed because the presence of God represented by the Ark of the Covenant that was in the house of Obed-Edom, everything was blessed. And that is the God that we serve. He wants to bless you. He wants his presence to be in your house. He wants to fill your house and overflow your house with his favor, with his blessings, with his goodness. But when it came into the house of Dagon, the demon false God, the demon false deity, the enemies of Israel, the Philistines, they got hemorrhoids. If they weren't killed. And so the Philistines said, what are we going to do? This is not good. God has smitten us. Their eyes began to open. They began to realize that their false God that was bowing down could not take on the God Jehovah. They said, what are we going to do? And somebody said, well, let's send the Ark of the Covenant to Ekron. The word Ekron means barrenness or torn away. So now they're going to send it from the thief place down to the place that's empty, that's barren, that the blessings have been torn away. Everything's been taken away. And so they send the Ark of the Covenant down there. But guess what? When the Ark of the Covenant got down there, people began to die. And if they didn't die, they were also smitten with the tumors, smitten with the hemorrhoids, bleeding, sickness, disease, problems. They did not like what had happened. And it was not just on a few. It was young and old. It was on everybody, rich and poor. It didn't matter who they were. They were all smitten with the tumors if they did not die. And the people of Ekron were terrified that God was going to kill them. And some of them did die. So those that were not dead, they were smitten with the tumors. And the Philistines said, we've got to do something about this. We've got to take them to another place. So then they said, let's send the Ark of the Covenant to Gath. The word Gath means press down. Goliath was from Gath. It, it was a place to mean pressed down and crushed. And so now they're sending the Ark of the Covenant down there to the, to the place of crushing. But the people, they were all smitten with the tumors. They could not overcome. They were smitten 
they were stricken. And many of them died. And so finally somebody said, what are we going to do? And somebody said, we need to send the Ark of the Covenant back to its own place. We've got to get the Ark to its own place. We can't can't take this anymore. And God was just quietly (laughs) dealing with the enemy. Let me tell you something. Even, Even when you've messed up, Even when you have walked away from him and let sins creep into your heart, God loves you so much, he will still deal with your enemies. He will still deal with the enemy, and he is going to be glorified no matter what. If you don't glorify God, he is going to be glorified. If he is not glorified in your house, he is still going to be glorified. The enemy is still going to bow down. Your Bible says in Philippians 2.10, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to confess him now. We need to say now he is the Lord. He is the Lord who lives and reigns forever and ever. We need to make that declaration. We need to bow down to him now. We need to give him glory because he is the Lord. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. I stopped in here today to tell you that we need to be the standard. It is time for us to be the standard. He is lifting up a standard. He is touching his people in the earth in these last days. He is gathering a remnant. He is gathering those that will serve him. He is gathering those that will stand. He is gathering those that will follow him. He is gathering those that will give the clarion cry, the clarion call that God is the Lord in the earth. And he will use you to make a difference in the earth. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you for your power. We thank you, Lord, for this insight into your scripture today of how powerful you are that you can do anything we thank you lord for your faithfulness and i pray for every person in this room every person under the sound of my voice those that are watching online today those that will watch by television later in the name of jesus i pray for them now and we thank you lord that as we have prayed and as we worship there is a breaking in our favor There is a shifting in our direction. I declare it for our family. I declare it for our friends, our co-workers. I declare it for our city and for our region. In the name of Jesus, we declare there is a breaking. We declare there is a shifting in our direction. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing to cause the enemy to bow. We thank you, Lord, for an anointing that causes the enemy to realize that he cannot stand in your presence, but he must bow. We thank you for the power. We thank you for the anointing. We worship you today. We glorify you today, and we ask you to anoint us as your warriors. Anoint us 
to lift up that standard, to be the standard in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for every need that's represented on this platform. These prayer requests that have come in, we plead the blood of Jesus over them now. We pray for every single one of them. We pray for your anointing. We pray for breakthrough. We pray for healing. Those that are sick, we declare healing in the name of Jesus. Those that need to turn around emotionally, relationally, financially, Lord, we lift them to you in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the power of agreement. We know there is power in agreement. We know one puts a thousand to flight and two put ten thousand to flight. And in the name of Jesus, we join our faith in agreement today. In Jesus' name, we plead the blood of Jesus. We thank you, mighty God. We praise you, mighty God. You are sovereign. You are ruler. You are judge. We give you praise. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Lord dropped something in my spirit just a little earlier. If we have any single moms that are here, I want you to come down here right now. Any single moms, you still have children at home, and you're a single mom, I want you to come down here right now. I don't know how many that might be, but if you're a single mom, come quickly. Anybody else? Any other single moms? You have kids still living with you at home. Not going to embarrass you. Are you coming? Anybody else? Okay. I want us to pray for these ladies right now. I want us to pray for God's power, God's strength to rest upon them, that God's provision will meet every need, and that God will give them wisdom with the children. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for these moms. Thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness to you to be here today to serve you. I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness to you, to be in your house, to serve you, to follow you. I pray for their kids, for their babies right now. In the name of Jesus, and I plead the blood of Jesus over them for your protection, for your care. I pray, Lord, for strength in the lonely moments. I pray, God, for wisdom when they have nobody to talk to and process with. I pray, God, for supernatural wisdom, supernatural favor in the name of Jesus so that you will meet every need they represent. I pray for their babies right now, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that they would receive whatever they need from these moms. And, Lord, you would make up the rest, fill in the gap in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, do it in Jesus' name. Encourage them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.